So this morning, I want to bring this to you and just sharing this with you because the first point is going to be men and women of excellence. And I remember early on in my Christian experience, there was a teaching, and, and I love the teaching because it was so challenging. What do you want on your tombstone when life is done? What do you want to be known for? And as I'm thinking about it this morning and just kind of what would I like my life to look like when it's all said and done. And really, my main concern this morning for myself, one thing, is that I loved Jesus with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. That nothing else for me was important as knowing Him, loving Him, and then everything else will fall into place. But then there's something that comes in really second, and like really close to that, is is how my children view me, and how my wife views me. And you see, next week we're going to be dealing about how the Christian life affects us in our home, but we're not there yet. But I want, if, if everything was going really well, I want to look back and I want my kids to say, my daddy was my hero. And I know that he loved Jesus. And if all that falls into place, I'm going to be ending this life being a pretty proud parent and being a pretty proud follower of Christ. But here is the reality is that I realize that it doesn't always work out that way. But listen to this. This is our hope as a Christian this morning. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I would invite you to come and to let Him be Lord of your life. But we don't begin this life looking for to hurt others, do we? No way. It's kind of like a marriage that ends in divorce. I guarantee when they were standing on the altar, they were not thinking, man, I can't wait to get a divorce. Every one of us knows that. That's not what we desire. And even as a person of woman or men of excellence, we don't desire to go out and we don't desire to wreak havoc within our world. But oftentimes we find that our lives are out of control and What kind of waves are we leaving behind us? And as I ask myself the same question, sometimes I'm just kind of a little bit, whoa, 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 how am I doing, Lord? And how is my life affecting others and what is going on? And here's what used to be the case, and not too long ago, was that integrity meant everything. You guys remember what the word integrity is? Chuck Colson says this, and I think I'll have it up there on a um, point. They got it. Good job, guys. It says this. Chuck Colson says, We must be the same person in private and in public. Only the Christian worldview gives us the basis for this kind of integrity. And so that means that I am the same person who is standing before you as I am when nobody is looking. And I have a feeling that this is a lost art. 
Why do I call it an art? Because it's a lost lifestyle. And see, I I believe that I still believe is how am I doing up here really is not in comparison because, see, I can give you my best for an hour, hour and a half. (laughs) And if you come to the Harris home, we're the best when you're around. (laughs) Everyone laughs, don't they? But it's true. It's like, man, we need to have more guests. So if you don't have a lot of guests and you're different, like just have a lot of guests and your family is going to be happy for that moment. And, and daddy's not always frustrated with the kids. The dogs are put up. Life is good when you're in my home. But why is it not the same when you're not there? It's because there's a lack of character. And every one of us struggles with the same thing. And so you're not alone. I'm not alone. And it's kind of like we're all in this together, this thing called real life. But I want to call us to something better. And see, some of you might say, and I think this is where we're at in society, is this is who I am. Take me. I'm the same. Away from you. And with you, but when you're with us, it's not very good. And I probably didn't make a lot of sense there, but here's what I'm saying. Is that we're kind of in a society where they call evil good and good evil. And so we're kind of at this point where we're at a turning point where we are just who we are, whether it's good or bad, take me or leave me. And we're not willing to improve our lives. And so when we're not willing to improve our lives, the wake we leave behind us is really destruction. And it's not good. But here's what I want to invite us to this morning is a life of integrity. And you see, the term suggests that which is whole, complete, and transparently free of duplicity. And we all know what hypocrite is, right? And hypocrisy. It's two faces. And so there is no integrity within the hypocrite's life. And so often the church gets blamed for being so hypocrisy, for being hypocritic, because they say something from the pulpit or from a group, and then they live their lives contrary. And I think we're seeing it played out within some of the more popular contexts of the Christian church, aren't we? We're getting kind of our whole lives are getting kind of messed up because we're seeing a duplicity from even the pulpit. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you may see the pulpit and the area and the church failing you. We're seeing it in the Catholic church, right? And we're seeing it within some of the bigger mega churches where pastors now are being accused of sexual immorality and, and it's coming out that they truly are playing in this role and they're living one life in front of others but another life away from others. And I personally don't totally put the blame on the ministers. I think it's a created society and a culture. But listen to this. I believe the world is looking for integral people. 
Even though the world is saying, look who you Christians are, you, we don't like you, we don't need you, but I believe it's just like a heart that says, I don't need God, they really need God. And I believe the world really needs the church to walk in character and integrity. And I really believe the world is longing for this. And if it gets crazy, as it already is crazy, and the church is integral, and the church is standing to where we believe in the Bible, and not only do we believe in the Bible, but we do what the Bible says, the world is going to flock to the church. But listen to this. When we are religious, we can easily walk in the trap of du- duplicity. And that's where we're at in the book of Colossians. And we're separating what we do. And some of you are going to be hit right between the eyes. And it's going to be my knockout punch this morning. It's going to be separating the spiritual and the secular. That's what a religious person does. Meaning, this is my secular life. And so I live by a different set of rules when I'm in the workplace. Or when I'm outside of church. And how can you test this? Is I want to ask you this. When you are with your Christian friends, do you act one way? And then when you are with your non-Christian friends, do you act a different way? If you are, and if you do, you are living a hypocritical life. You are not walking in true Integrity. Then I wanted to bring up a few scriptures just before we get into the book of Colossians. It's Proverbs 14, verse 2, and I'll have a couple. And I would like you, if you take notes, to write down these scriptures because we're not going to have time to really meditate on them this morning, but during your times with the Lord that you would meditate on these scriptures and really let it change your life. It says this in Proverbs 14, 2, Whoever lives with integrity fears the Lord. But the one who is devious in his ways despises him. That's pretty harsh. Proverbs 22 verse 1. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Proverbs 10.7 The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will not. Will not be blessed. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, A good name is better than good ointment. Do you realize that your name, your actions matter in this life? And as I was thinking about this sermon and, and, and some of the things that I'm going to encourage us to put on every day, it was I was wondering how people look at us outside the church. When they say your name... Are they cursing it or are they blessing it? When they say your name, what is coming to their mind? What I would like to say and what I would like to think about each and every one of us is when they hear our names, they're just like, man, they must go to a good church because their lives reflect something different. But so often... And then really the truth is, this is the truth, is it's not that the church is good, it's that we desire to live a life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
This is how the individual affects the whole body. And when an individual affects the whole body, you become contagious. You're one of those smiling Christians that we want to kick to the curb. I'm like, man, you're too happy. Get away from me. Excuse me, I'm spitting this morning. It's like, you're too happy. I don't want you. And there's nothing like your wife. Men, you may get this, is when she wakes up smiling, you're in a bad mood, and you're like, just stop smiling. That's what a contagious Christian is like. And you begin just so, if a bad attitude affects everyone around them, how much more can a good attitude affect all those around us? We're always only focused on the bad attitude, but why don't we counteract it with a good attitude? And so I want us to think about that this morning, is how are you known? And if you know this morning that you are known as a jerk, you have an opportunity to change who you are. And you see, the world wants to change themselves, but us as believers, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside us that allows us to actually make a 360, a change. And what I like to imagine is that if I was in some sci-fi movie that all of a sudden I would get into this portal like Star Trek and say, beam me up, Scotty, and then all of a sudden my life would be just transformed and everything, every virtue that I need to live this Christian life would just become part of me. But I want to paint a different picture this morning. Although you guys believe, you know what I believe is the Holy Spirit comes, it transforms a life. But there's part of this Christian life where you just got to get up and you got to walk it out. And you see, that's what I'm going to call this morning virtues. So we're going to look at at, um, some scripture this morning that talks about putting on the new self. And so let's read really quick in in, uh, chapter 3, verses 9, 10. And I'll read a few more. But we'll start there. Remember last week we said, Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. And so we are all under construction. We are all being renewed according to Scripture. And that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And then it goes on in verse 11. And I don't want to skip over this because in one translation it says, In your renewal... In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision... Barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. And remember I shared last week that it doesn't mean race. It it means we're all equal. There's no race. There's no rich and poor. You don't come here as a second-class citizen. Every one of us is in Christ. And we're all being renewed. And we long for that day that we truly all walk it out. But then it goes on in verse 12. Therefore is God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. And I want to stop there just for a minute. Is that if you were in Christ, that you were chosen and you did not choose Him. 
Remember last week, and unfortunately we didn't get to record last week's sermon. So it's in the book of heaven. It's not in the book of Cornerstone's history. But if you remember, I kind of went back to, often I say we're making Jesus Lord of our lives. But the truth is we have to switch that and He is already Lord. We are agreeing with who He is already. So we're not making Him Lord. So, But He has chosen us. We did not choose Him. But then it says, holy and dearly loved. And I want you to know, when you come to Christ, that you now are set apart. You now are holy unto the Lord. You are a saint. You are holy. And when we look at this word, it means actually what I just said, is that you are set apart, you are to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so often, some of you this morning, you need to know that you are holy because you are so badly beaten with the lies of the enemy. And to say you're not good enough. But I'm telling you, if you are truly in Christ Jesus, you are as holy as you are going to be today. To me, woohoo! That's awesome! And I need to hear that every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I need to look in the mirror and say, Doggone it, you're beautiful. Doggone it, you're holy. And you're righteous in Christ Jesus. But then he goes on to say this, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, put on gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive And I want to talk about, just for a moment, the practical side of Christianity. And if you've been hurt by the church this morning, I'm very sorry. And I truly mean that with all my heart. Because oftentimes we have forgot to put on compassion. We have forgot to put on kindness. We've forgotten, oh yeah, that word humility. Oh, that that means thinking of others as more than myself. Oh, yeah. And so I'll be honest, I'm just like you. Even when I come to church, I have to make sure that oh, I'm loving others today. Kind of wild, huh? But it's the truth. Sometimes I'm just looking like, oh, my, I better put on kindness towards my family today. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And every one of us understand this. There's nothing like hearing something challenging like love your wife and you're like, man, I'm going to go home. I'm going to love her well. And then right when you walk through the door, where's my supper? And then everything from there goes downhill. And I'm like, man, my heart's intent was to come home and love you with all my heart. And here I am. So what I am saying this morning is that we must put on these things. And how do we go, and these are what we call virtues. And how do we go about cultivating virtue? Through something we sorely need today. And that is good habits. 
A person is not in possession of a virtue by exhibiting a trait now and then. It must be retunely, it must be practiced for it to be considered a virtue. Remember what I talked about earlier? When you come into my home, my family is awesome. And usually my house is clean. But it's clean because you're coming. Just, I'll let the secret out. Amen? <laughs> and my, life, my wife oftentimes, and I'll just tell on her because I, I love her so much, is that oftentimes she'll leave it a little messy just so that people won't think something different of us. And for me, a perfectionist, I'm like, <laughs> clean, clean. But I agree with what she's saying. Because we put our best foot forward so often when others are looking. I hope this is being drilled in you because I want to talk about putting on compassion. We need to be compassionate towards others. But here's the opposite of compassion. Is embracing people. We need to embrace them where they are at, but letting them continue in a lifestyle that is contrary to to the Word of God and saying it's okay and embracing it. There's a difference. Compassion is loving people for where they are at no matter what the sin is. And I have been on the edge of both. Where I have accepted some things that I should have never accepted in a life. And then I've been on the other side of condemning where I should have never condemned. But we always must, as Christians and as followers, to put on compassion. What about kindness? Are we to be kind to others? How do we be kind to others? Is doing acts of kindness. Even when you know that that act of kindness will not be given back to you. Are you willing to be ridiculed by doing an act of kindness? And oftentimes it's hard today because everybody has an agenda, everybody is going somewhere, and it doesn't take long for you to see if you really look around at just looking and seeing all the anger pent up in our society today. But us, fellow believers, why are we doing that? Why are we walking around angry? Why are we walking around impatient? Why are we not showing acts of kindness even when others are not kind to us? And then I want to point out to put on humility. In all these words, there's so much that we could get into. I mean, they could be whole sermon series on themselves. But as followers of Christ, I deem you to take these words and you to do word studies. And I want to give you a few scriptures just real quick to look at by yourself. As Second Peter, if you'd write them down, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. 
And you can ask me for them later if you don't get them this morning. Romans 12, verse 9 through 21. It sums up everything that I'm going to be talking about this morning. Oh yeah, what about the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And then Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. All has to deal with humility and thinking of others is more important than ourselves. And in Romans, I just want to share this with you in, in regards to humility. Did, did you know in Romans 12, it says to show the fellow believers, outdo them in honor. Could you imagine, even here at Cornerstone, if we actually outdid each other in showing honor to one another? We would reek of kindness. That's why we have to put on humility. That's why we have to put on compassion. And I know I'm repeating these things, but see, what I want you to do is I want to get it so engraved in you that you don't even have to look at the Scripture, but you wake up in the morning and say, oh yeah, I need to put on compassion today. I need to put on uh, kindness Oh yeah, humility. Oh yeah, patience. Oh yeah, uh, that word called gentleness. Oh yeah, loving others. Could you imagine if we did that as much as we drank our cup of coffee or tea or put on our clothes in the morning? And then I want to talk about this bearing with one another. When you are in relationship, and you've heard me say this, you are going to get the worst of that individual. If you truly, and we hold to this value that being authentic, being in authentic relationship with God and others, if you truly believe that, and if you're truly holding on to that this morning, and you truly believe that's what, that's what you're called here at Cornerstone to do, then you will realize that each and every one of us have a little bit of skeletons in our closet. And then when we are truly known for who we are, we're exposed, aren't we? And some of us, when we get exposed, we want to go back into hiding. But I want to invite you to don't. Because you have a body here that wants to bear with you and wants to strive with you. Why do we want to strive with you in the messiness of your broken down life? Is because we want to see you formed in the very image of the one who has called us, that is Jesus Christ. So the more that I have relationship with you, the more that you have relationship with me, I pray and I ask, and I think this is Paul's point for the Colossians church, is to say the more that we're doing this, the more that we're being formed into the image of our Creator. And that means by me being in your life, whether good or bad, or ugly, that God has a purpose for me being in your life and your life in my life. So we have to bear with one another. And then I want to talk about this thing called forgiveness. And I've told you this lots and lots of times. I'll continue to tell you, I will do things that hurt you. 
Do I want to do things that hurt you? No, of course not. I do not set out, especially as a pastor, to do something that would cause you to stumble. Unless you have an evil heart, and some people do have evil hearts, and you avoid those people. They don't want the worst in your life. But Jesus says this. He says, Forgive others as I have forgiven you. If you forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. When I look, and it's on the Sermon on the Mount, it's in there, after the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, I'm like, whoa, there is power in forgiveness. There is power in letting go. And here's what I do want to say, that if you have been deeply wounded in any way, even abused, mentally, physically, and physically I'd wrap up with sexual abuse, you still must forgive. As hard as this is, we still have to forgive. But here's the deal. When you know you have been forgiven by a holy and just and righteous God, then you know that you can forgive others. And that is only, and I will say this, this is not psychology, this is truth from the Bible, that the only way that we can truly forgive others is when we have walked and we know the forgiveness of the Father, which can be one of the harder things to experience. But I want to say that with this. Just because you forgive somebody does not mean you always have to trust them. I've been walking through situations in my own life that I've forgiven others. And I've had the dichotomy and the, and the hurting of, well, how do I forgive them and like them? Or how do I like them and love them? And, and forgiveness, doesn't it mean that I like the person? And doesn't it mean all this? But it doesn't. But love which is part of this, it binds all these things together. The NIV says it well. It says says, love binds all these humility, compassion, patience, uh, gentleness. Love is what binds all that together. So I had a conversation with somebody saying this last few months, saying, you know, I've forgiven this person, but I don't trust them. I have a hard time trusting them. I I don't know what to do. And then Jesus just kind of speaks through the fog and says, you know what? It doesn't matter if you like them or not. You have to love them. So what's the difference between like and love? Like is saying, I'm going to hang out with you all the time. I'm going to entrust my life in your hands. When you, have, when you don't deserve that trust. So we don't give our trust 
away freely. And we all know that. It's called reaping and sowing. But then there's forgiveness. There is restoration in relationships. I want you to know that. Where you can build up trust again. I don't want to tear that trust factor down. But it's, but it's worked out over time now, right? But here's the deal. So that's liking somebody and trusting my life into their hands. Although they have hurt me, I, I tend not to do that again. But here's the thing that I have to do, that is commanded of us to do, is to make loving choices for that individual. How do we work this out? It's treating others with respect even though I've been wounded and hurt deeply by them. It's making choices on their behalf that maybe they don't realize but I'm going to show kindness and I'm going to show love. I'm going to show humility towards them because love binds us all together. So I want just to say this to you this morning. If you have been hurt very deeply and, and I'm not taking it lightly, and there may be some processes that you need to go through. But love, forgive, let go. And I know this can be a very hard thing, but as believers, we have to put these on. We are a new man. And when I say new man, we are new creatures. We are not to be like the world. See, the world holds on to the past and it, it becomes bitter. And if you are a believer that is struggling with bitterness, that's a dangerous place to be. And Paul encourages us not to go into that area. So let's go on. I'm sorry, I just want to... That's the part that really encourages me because I'm like, I can put on compassion every day. I have to remind myself to do it. And even the fruit of the Spirit, I'd like to encourage us is to look at the fruit of the Spirit and ask the Lord, can I put these things on? I know that they should be part of my character, but when I'm walking, I see I'm walking in the flesh all the time. So I think sometimes we just need the Word of God to begin to wash us again and remind us, oh, this is who I am. Oh, this is how I should walk. This is how I should be. So verses 15 and 16 of Colossians 3. It says this, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called, in one body rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly uh, dwell richly among you. And then I ask the question, well, how do we cause and how do we have the the word of Christ richly dwell among us, and I will, the answer is in the Scripture, but I want to share this with you, that if you are not walking in the peace of Christ this morning, I just want to ask you, are you putting on the new man? And are you walking in forgiveness and love? And if you are, that is binding everything together, and the peace of Christ is here. And are you thankful? So how do we let the Word of God richly dwell in us and among us? It is in wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. How do we do that? Through psalms, through hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So I want to ask you this morning, 
How was your heart before you walked into this sanctuary? Were you thankful? Were you full of praise and honoring of the reason why you're here? Was Jesus like, man, Jesus, I want to exalt you today. I want to lift you up. I want to glorify you. And when we sing, I want to sing spiritual hymns and songs. And I want to glorify you. And Jesus, I know you're right here in the midst. Were you like that when you came in? And I realize this morning that we're all different, right? So how I express my worship is different than how you express your worship. But if I was doing this in the week, if I was doing this before I got here, my worship just gets elevated to 10,000 hallelujahs. Why? Because I am binding together with you in worship of the King of Kings and my thankfulness is full. And I would like to challenge us in this thought. And I'm not saying anything about our worship teams. But our worship is lying in your hands. And it's the same with the preaching of the Word. It doesn't mean that we don't get better and we don't try to be the best for you. But if your heart is already in the Word, if your heart is already in worship, when you come in here, it's going to be a different atmosphere. And the atmosphere will change. And I wanted to say that because of what the Scripture says. That we want the peace of Christ who would rule our body And rule our hearts to be thankful. And that we need one another. And we need to admonish one another in this thing called life. And being a follower of Christ. Are you a person of gratitude and thankfulness? If you are not, why not? Point number three. Is do everything in the name of Jesus. And so it, it ends this, and usually the third point, lucky for you, it goes by really quick. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Could you imagine us as a church doing everything in the name of Jesus. Could you imagine us as a body, everything we're doing out of thankfulness? I think it would revolutionize our whole body. And here's the deal. We often fall short of that cornerstone. But I'm here to encourage you to rise up to the occasion and put on the new man. Last week we talked about what the old man was. Slandering, anger, wrath, malice, 
all these things which were the old man. That was the old life. Well, I'm a new creature. And listen to this. When Paul wrote this, I want to bring a little bit of context just real quick. When Paul wrote this to the Colossae church, he was dealing with a pagan culture. And you see, ancient culture was very religious, whether you know this or not, very religious. But here's how most pagan practices were in ritual observances. That they did not cast moral influence on one's daily life and ethics. It means what they were worshiping did not affect, well, it really did affect, but it didn't fly and go over into their personal lives. And so you have what I talked about, and I'll end it here, end it like this, is that you have the spiritual and the secular. And so often we live in these two different worlds. But I want to encourage you that everything is spiritual. And so for Paul, by contrast, every aspect of life must be determined by Christ's Lordship. So I want to ask you this morning, Are you living a life of integrity? Or are you living a life of duplicity? And here's the deal. Are we any different this morning than the pagan cultures that Paul was writing, the pagan culture that Paul was writing to? Are we any different? And if you've come here just to hear a sermon, to give your offering, and to do worship and go home, and that's it for your week, you are no different than the pagans. But you want to know what? We're to be different. And I want to share this in James 1, 22, 25, as the worship team comes. I want to share this word with you. It's one of my favorite words, and hopefully it's up there. And it should revolutionize us. It says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking in a mirror, his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not forgetful here. He's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in all that he does. So, we're going to end it there. And I'm going to ask you this morning, are you a true doer of the Word? If you're not, you're going you're gonna to deceive yourselves. See, I often thought about as a new believer, I, like, I was so scared of being deceived, and then I come across scriptures like this, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. If I'm a doer of the word, I will not be deceived. But what we have now is we just have a bunch of hearers, but I want to call us to a higher standard, is that we would actually be doers of the word. And so this morning, every one of us knows where we're at. And I don't even, I don't know where you're at. And lucky for you. But we have to be doers of the Word. 
And so if you're not, I want to ask you to turn. I want you to seek God's forgiveness and ask Him to enable you to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, bearing with one another and loving one another. And so as we end this morning, I'll have me and uh, another elder up here to pray for you guys. So if you want to respond, we're always here to pray for you. If you have a sickness, we want to pray for you, as the Bible says, to come and be prayed for. Or if you just need some prayer for your life, we want to be here to pray for you. But as we sing this last song, I want you guys to meditate on what you've heard this morning. And to really ask, are you putting on these things and did you forget to put them on this morning? And if so, just quickly get dressed. I know that sounds funny, but quickly. It's not that hard. And it's something that we have to form and it's habits that we need in our lives. If you'd stand with me, we'll worship together.